Oh yes, kids. We have returned. Your favorite horror movie podcast, Loathsome Things, is back with another fantastic episode. Fantastique. My name is John, uh, and as always, with me uh, on this episode is my uh, just delightful, yet in- incorrigible co-host, Josh. Josh, how yes. are you doing, sir? I am splendid. Whoa. Yeah, that's a no. word. It, it is, is now. I promise. Look it up in the HarperCollins Dictionary, kids. I'm feeling splorned. Yeah. Oh, no. I splorned. <laughs> Screenshot! What a great new element. <laughs> but we've, we've added a new element that benefits you not. Yes. There's video for us, not for you. <laughs> because... The whole reason we're doing this is we amuse each other so much. <laughs> Dear up to and maybe including 17 listeners. <laughs> we look we look we look like we're we either live under a bridge or we just raided the Capitol. <laughs> oh my god, did you hear that they called Nancy Pelosi's office asking if like their things had been turned into lost and found. Yes. <laughs> I believe I left a magazine of nine millimeters. My nine EpiPens that I need. <laughs> Unbelievable. The fucking balls on those people. Oh my god. I kind of I mean, love them. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that is a pretty good prank, I guess. It might not have even been them. It could have been other people that would be like, you know what would be funny? Did you find a pa- bag of zip ties on your desk by any chance? <laughs> I'm looking for a um, a baseball cap. It's red. Uh, it looks like it belongs on the top of someone that is a complete piece of shit. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? If you have that, just look in the bin. Scrounge around in there. You also might find a Polaroid photograph of someone's b-hole. Yes. That's mine. <sighs> John, what are we doing today? T- today we're covering one of the, the greatest horror films, if not one of the greatest films of all time. An absolute classic. Uh, George great. Romero's, uh, yeah, 1968 classic. The Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. It is a wonderful, wonderful film that probably everybody has already seen. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it is not just freely available everywhere. You can steal it for legally. You can steal it for legally. They made no distribution deal. The people who own the rights to the film made all the profit. Uh, It was a highly profitable film. Uh, Yeah. Considering particularly the original budget, which was essentially nothing. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine the the like on the scale of oopsies on this thing? <laughs> like the one of the most influential movies, like just just spawned an entire like what if they had accidentally forgotten to copyright Mickey Mouse and then everyone was just able to use it and not have to deal with ridiculous copyright laws that are basically unethical. Wouldn't that be horrible? 
<laughs> so yeah, today we will be bowing at the feet of the master George A. Romero from his his first zombie film where he hadn't yet decided that he didn't like to have the word living in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It was uh yeah, this was the I, I was thinking about it as I was rewatching it the first time, and and <clears throat> it occurred to me that this is probably the the first horror film that that really made me realize, like consciously, that I I actually appreciated horror as a specific genre, like as a thing that appealed to me. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd seen horror movies that I liked, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, but this was the first one where I thought, you know what, I'm a fan of horror movies, and I was in high school. And uh, a buddy in my of mine and I, I think we rented it or something like that from video store. And we and I remember thinking at the time how transgressive it felt to watch this movie. Like it, it just it felt like I had like I was stepping into something different beyond just like I was consciously choosing movies that were covering things that were beyond just movie entertainment. Like this this movie had a message, and I knew that before I even saw it. it just you, you just kind of got that impression from the reverence that you read about it and, and, you know, articles and stuff like that. And man, it does not disappoint in that respect. (laughs) No, no, it is fantastic. I was going through it and I was thinking about like, not just the fact that it, it did, it did the, the zombie horde for the first time, you know, what we know now is a hugely overdone trope, but like I was I was trying to pay attention to all of the little things that it started within the zombie genre. Mm-hmm. And it just like it hit all of them. It's it like even the thing like, all right, you've, you've got like two guys arguing about, well, OK, how do we survive the zombie apocalypse? Do we stay up here and maybe retreat to the cellar or do we just stay in the cellar? All of the things like, oh, well, we've got uh, I've got this tire iron to fight with. But later I'm going to upgrade to a gun. It's got. <laughs> all kinds of stuff all throughout the movie it's great he he just started the whole fucking thing he it's fantastic he started the whole thing and he the way that he defined those those tropes is it was so decisively which is crazy considering that so much of it seems like it was done by the seat of their pants and he just but he nailed all those elements so well that they that's why they show up and you know it's 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 not even so much like a fan service thing where people say oh i just love george romero and he's the first those things are true but he's also the first and he completely defined the whole genre by the way he made like the the apocalyptic scenario the the smugness of certain people you know the the humor in it i mean it it's just it's the way it works is like social satire and horror of course and i mean it's just what a phenomenal movie yeah yeah it's (laughs) it's great and and most of the movies that we think of as being like hugely groundbreaking and and trend setting will like introduce an old idea and then and innovate on like one or two elements but he just like did everything like the whole thing put together it doesn't start out that way. Like it starts out very familiar. It starts mm-hmm. out like an episode of the twilight zone yeah. or the outer limits. And so I could see that like lulling an audience back then into a false sense of security, but maybe a slightly scarier one of those. And then it just 
breaks their shit apart and ruined people. I was reading like reviews from back in the day where they were like, do not let your children see this movie. It will, it will destroy them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I talked to my mom about it. She saw this movie in theaters as a teenager and she said it scared the shit out of her. I can imagine. I mean, yeah. it's the first time I saw it, it was, it was campy. I mean, I recognized the camp factor, especially since it was, you know, I was seeing it in what, late 80s or something like that, I guess. And it had already been out for quite a while, so it had aged somewhat. But still, I mean, it does not, it does not really pull punches. And oh. considering that it's not taking after anything else, it's pretty bold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about, um, we watch we watched Spider Baby, mm-hmm. and that came out in 1967. And for 1967, that thing with the ear was like horrifically gory. Mm-hmm. And then this movie has them like pulling guts out of people and and fighting over intestines, and you just like seeing someone chomp into a heart, and you like the camera's like staring down the hole of the ventricles, and yeah. And there's there's scenes that we'll get to where you know things are happening that are emotionally pretty, pretty rough to consider. I mean, I mean, beyond just the terror of being in the situation, like, you know, the, the scenarios, that's the way, the way that they work out. It's like, Jesus, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not a happy movie. It feels no. like it might be a little at the beginning, but it does not go. That way. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> it gets real dark, real fast. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so so we decided to watch this movie. We were like, you know, we haven't done a real zombie movie. We did Death Dream. We've did, done like zombie adjacent things. But we were like, we should, you know, probably do a zombie movie. It's kind of an important subgenre. And uh, we, we landed on this. And I don't know if we talked about it explicitly, but I was thinking, you know, we're going to likely, if the podcast continues, um, be covering a lot of zombie movies over <laughs> time and what better way to like really you know like have this as a basis for comparison you know this is the zombie movie that all other zombie movies should be compared to um because it's either as good as this worse than this almost always maybe once or twice better maybe (laughs) maybe I mean, you can't take anything away from this movie. It, is it, is it a you know lock tight perfect film from start to finish? No, it has its issues. It's bit. it's very it, it can be very amateurish at times. Um, but but man, when it comes together, it comes together hard, and it and it comes together a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it you know it has its moments. It it has some interesting tricks that again we'll we'll get into that that help <clears throat> propel the story along and. You know, in in many ways, he, uh, Romero is is very effective at at using a camera, using limited resources, using a pack of amateurs, essentially. Uh, yeah, I a mean, large he, pack of amateurs. Yeah, he got a lot out of these people. I mean, a lot of yeah. these people were pulling double duty. You know, like the, this is this guy's car, but he also did the sound design, and this guy really was the police chief, or this guy was, re- you know, just whatever. Like, you yeah. know, how they scored the helicopter and all these crazy stories. Yeah, we had to pay this guy and craft single cigars and put them in his hat for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's all kinds of crazy stuff. 
it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about for sure. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. What do we need to say about George A. Romero? I mean, he is, of course, infamous for single-handedly inventing the modern zombie genre. He uh, made a, a number of other films, uh, some great, some not so great. Yes. Um, but he was always, you know, he he was very active creatively and he was always thinking of, you know, new things. And when he felt that he had gone as far as he could, he, you know, he stopped. He didn't, he, you know, arguably, you could say he beat it into the ground with maybe some of the later ones, but they, Ooh, yeah. they do, they, they have their moments, but, you know, I think he recognized, okay, it's time to hang it up. And, you know, I think I've said what I need to say. Yeah. Um, but Zombies, yeah. Y'all. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was, you know, he, he was obviously a master, but he was also, you know, apparently a pretty cool guy. I mean, people, people really liked him. He was certainly loved in the horror and film community. And, uh, you know, so that, that always helps, you know, because um, some of these people are great at what they do, but they're also total knobs. <laughs> <laughs> but Romero's, you know, working class guy from Pennsylvania, from Pittsburgh, I believe. And, uh, you know, which is great for me because my my whole family's from Pittsburgh. So he's like mentioning stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's where my grandfather lives, and all this. Oh, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> or lived. Yeah, I've all I've got, I think I have relatives buried there. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> that but is uh, cool. yeah, and he he kind of he was one of those directors that you know he's like the Stephen King with writing, where his work centers you know like Day of the Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. They all are in Pittsburgh. You know, nice. at least you know, in large part. And, uh, you know, that I always like that he kind of centers his stuff because he creates this weird alternate reality where all this stuff could kind of function within that world, you know, um, like King does with Maine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and crap. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be really hard to explain to my wife why I'm drunk at like two in the afternoon. <laughs> from a, I love, I love that you're drinking from a bottle with no label on it. It's the label like, fell off one day while we were, while I was recording another show. <laughs> I guess, I guess you must keep it in the back of the toilet. I don't know what happened. It's the weirdest. It just peeled right off. To be fair, I was shit hammered when it happened, so I don't really remember the details. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, uh, people have a video of me peeling it off with my tongue, but I don't remember that. <laughs> it's funny all the things you read about Scotch and how you know the people in Scotland prefer it with a dash of water and this and that and all this. And I'm just I'm drinking this bottle out of out of the bottle at the moment and i've tried a number of different ways to drink it and this so far seems to be the most satisfying yeah well i mean it really depends on the scotch it depends on the proof a lot of times when you add a dash of water it's because it's a, yeah. a like higher strength and yeah and that narrows it out we're so fancy loathsome things where we talk about how to properly drink your scotch <laughs> If we had the budget, scotch would be a big part of this show for me, but I, I just can't afford it. I yeah. I fucking love scotch, though. Scotch, it, scotch, scotch. Get in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It took me how many episodes to hit Anchorman? There it is. And we're there. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> 
two tickets to the gun show. Okay, I'm sorry. It's good. Uh, let's see. This movie stars Dwayne Jones as Ben. Uh, other than this movie, which, let's be honest, this is the movie you know him from. Yeah. But if you are like a deep core horror fan, mm-hmm. maybe you also know him from Bill Gunn and Lawrence Jordan's Ganja and Hess. You know, I still have not seen Ganja and Hess. Well, and it's I, one I, of those movies oh, you that no, no, it, no. <laughs> but it's one of those movies that you really are, are able to be like, ah, oh, yes, Ganja and S, a classic, without ever having seen it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 probably the first major entree into the horror world for for black cinema. Um, um, I, I think. I mean, I I say that I don't know. It probably doesn't predate movies like Blackula and. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, Blackula is, is so silly. It sounds so ridiculous and derivative, but it's actually, from what I've read, a pretty cool movie. I haven't seen it, but yeah. but there that's is, a thing. I mean, that's a whole subgenre unto itself that, you know, I as much as I'd like to cover it, I am in no position to be authoritative on any of it. No, no. There is a pretty cool uh, film studies and English professor at University of Houston downtown that will like show it on the overhead projector uh, out on the balcony on Halloween. Nice. Yeah. They've, they've got some they've got some good professors over there. There's a guy I hear on a lot of the political podcasts that I listen to that pops up a lot. He's a he's a historian that teaches at U of H, but he's he's like super radical leftist. He's the kind of guy that they the right always tells you you can't go to the university because you're going to become a communist. And it's like, well, if you go in his class, you probably will. He's one oh, of is, those guys. Is he on like very bad wizards or something like that? Is Actually, that, that might be the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've heard a little bit of him. I'm like, wait, what does he do? What? I mean, he's very much an academic, so he has that kind of back in 1943. But he's actually <laughs> pretty cool. <Yeah>. Roosevelt. <laughs> You're like, why is this guy boring, but also telling me about how the people need to rise up and overthrow the government at the same time? <laughs> If anyone can make <laughs> rising up and overthrowing the government boring, it's professors. You're like, all right, I'm cool. Just can you just stop talking? Uh, I'll, I'll do it. Whatever. I'll I'll throw a Molotov cocktail in the police window. Can you just shut the fuck up, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Proletariat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surplus labor. Whatever. <laughs> wow, what a confusingly political episode. of start with yeah you know the january 6 guys what hilarious pranksters <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's overthrow the government <laughs> i blame it on the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. this movie will make you want to overthrow a government maybe with the zambies yes yeah, <laughs> i'm sorry sir they're ghouls oh right those things <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, this movie also stars uh, Judith O'Day as Barbara. Oh, day. <laughs> Jesus God. Oh. Uh, which you probably know uh, from her role as uh, Barbara in George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, you might also know her as Barbara's hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah barbara the she of the eight head oh man <laughs> whatever like i don't know what she had to do to get her hair to like 
do that thing and then go back down and do that other thing, but it is not working for me. <laughs> it is remarkably ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. I'm pretty sure that's what uh, what's his nuts was going for in Mars Attacks. Whenever that one alien yeah. is doing the stupid thing, it's like, oh yeah, Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. I get it. <laughs> the hair wave. Yes. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. Um, you've probably seen this movie. If you listen to this podcast, you've probably seen this movie and are just listening to us because you want to hear what we have to say about this movie. Well, I'm going to tell you we're going to 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 do that. So it's, yeah. it, good job. You chose well. Yeah, fun times. Yeah. So leave? No, just go ahead and keep listening. Yeah. 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 If if for some reason this one slipped through the cracks for you, you should definitely go see it for a number of uh, of different reasons. It's certainly easy to find. Uh, there it has no copyright. So, I mean, there's different version. There's a criterion version. There's, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth, but you can find it for free anywhere. I think they even, didn't they colorize it at yes. one point for no they good did. reason? They did colorize it. It's what true. What fucking idiot move. Yeah. I, I saw that version and was not impressed. Yeah. I will say the, the freely like public public domain one is pretty grainy and unpleasant mm-hmm. looking. So yeah. if you find one of the remastered ones, you you could do worse than watching the remastered. And if you're if you're a collector, in which case you probably already have it, but if you don't, get the get the criterion version because it's gorgeous. It's re, it's been re, redone and it's it's uh it's disturbing how clear it looks. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I haven't looked at that. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to find that and watch this movie again. This movie is super worth rewatching. Like I I watched this twice to to prep for this and the second time I watched it I was very happy to watch it again. Oh and yeah, would, there's there's a lot to chew on. Yeah. yeah. It's it's great. Uh... <laughs> Oh, good, good. Oh my god. <laughs> John, why don't you start us off with the beginning of the recap of the movie of which we are discussing today? <laughs> I, I think I shall. Kitty. And there's my cat. He's undead. So we we have a long car ride of opening credits as the car is winding its way through the the Pennsylvania countryside on its way to a uh, cemetery that apparently they found buried in the woods somewhere um, <laughs> so that they wouldn't be interrupted. And mm-hmm. they just, they stumbled across this place and it was perfect because they were worried that, you know, cops would show up and be like, what the fuck are you people doing? <laughs> so anyways, they, they, they found this graveyard. So it's cool. as like, as they enter in the graveyard, there's like this shot, like half the screen is an American flag that somebody's posted in the graveyard just to kind of, set the scene a little bit yeah. but uh yeah so we've got johnny and barbara and they're they're driving out to the country they're gonna place a cross with some flowers on it decorate the grave of a person i'm not really clear who the person is it's their dad that died their when dad? they were young oh okay and they're doing it on behalf of their mother who i guess is really in no condition to make this drive because i think they mm-hmm. said it was 780 miles, I mean, hours away or something. <laughs> yes, yes. They're in Pennsylvania. They're not that far from... And, and for some reason, it's I like, think of them living in New York. I don't know why. And I'm like, it's no, not that far. No, I think they're like three hours away in Pennsylvania, which I would assume means they are on the 
complete opposite side of Pennsylvania. The yeah, the absolute southernmost part of Pennsylvania, and they took the back roads. Yeah, but uh, but but anyways, yeah. So they uh, they're talking. They're you know they're horrible people, and they uh, they they go to get out of the car, and they you know the the radio suddenly comes on, and you know they 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 were under the impression that the radio was broken, but as the, the broadcast comes back on, that comes back on, you hear the guy say, you know. We apologize for the disruption for the signal and, and, you know, so there's a little hint that something's not right. Yeah. Maybe something is amiss. Yeah. So before they get there, when they, they turn on the road that the cemetery's on, there's a, one of those, uh, uh, square road signs, um, that says Mm. cemetery and it is shot up with every kind of gun. And that is just beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. If you've spent any time in rural Texas or apparently yeah. anywhere else in the country, you are familiar with bullet ridden signs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. People driving around drunk with guns. Hey, look, there's a sign. <laughs> Rusty holes in all the signs. <laughs> Every different kind of bullet used on that sign. <laughs> it's amazing. So there's there's we see there's like thunderclouds gathering I guess you you don't really see them but you they have like the ridiculous light flashes for lightning and you hear thunder and and in the distance you see this man just kind of shambling about he's like an older guy and you know he looks pretty rough but they're not they're not really giving him too close a look they just recognize him and Barbara's already spooked because she's you know as as they discuss she was scared of cemeteries even as a little girl. And so Johnny, of course, being a total mob, is is giving her a hard time and blurts out the the, the classic line, they're coming to get you, Barbara, <laughs> which is great. And, yeah. and then, of course, they are coming to get her because the zombie attacks and uh, he jumps on her and Johnny jumps on his back and pulls him off and rescues his sister, who really was not worth rescuing, as we'll get into. No, not super... Super yeah. great at stuff. So the the shining moment in Johnny's life turns out to be the the final act of Johnny's life because the zombie kills him. Yeah, and uh, she she kind of gets away, sorta. She gets into the car and uh, she doesn't have the keys, and so yeah. she's uh, Johnny you know, has the keys. Yeah, she's helplessly. <laughs> and and then the the zombie figures out that uh, he can just pick up a huge rock and hit the window. It's one of those moments that's like iced in my brain where he hits the window and it leaves those scratches, but it doesn't break. <laughs> then he hits and finally gets in there and she freaks the fuck out, realizes she can just pop the emergency brake out and put the car in neutral and the car starts rolling off. She's supposed to be like driving it, but she's one of those yeah. driving things where she's not looking at all. And yeah. she just very slowly and casually drives into a tree. Yeah, not even into a tree, just kind of scrapes alongside the tree. And Which oh well, car done, car done. <laughs> and apparently that shot they they added that shot because uh, at some point during the filming, the car of course belonged to somebody in the crew. Oh. Um, at some point during filming, somebody hit the car, and for continuity's sake, <laughs> even though I don't know that, I guess they did show the front of the car. For continuity's sake, they had to uh, Romero put that scene in. So that they would explain why there was a ding in the car. But it actually, it kind of works. Yeah, it totally works. And so, you know, so she 
freaks the fuck out and, and takes off and ends up at uh, a nearby farmhouse that she sees, creepy looking farmhouse off in the distance. And I do want to mention it's not just any zombie. If you're familiar at all with the the work of Tom Kenny, you'll know that this guy looks exactly like Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. He does look like Tom Kenny. <laughs> Holy crap, that's terrifying. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Also, yeah. that that farmhouse apparently was slated to be just demolished, and oh. they worked it out with the owner, and uh, they were like, "Don't worry, we'll demolish it for you when we're done." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they 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 actually like <laughs> they they cleaned up the whole house, and like apparently they cleaned the kitchen first so they could eat. Yeah, <laughs> and so, anyways, that's that house, but. Uh, so Barbara hides inside this house and the zombies are starting to kind of gather outside and she finds a corpse, like a really gruesome looking corpse yeah, um, with eyes that are apparently were made out of ping pong balls. Oh, and, really? Uh, I was thinking that the eyes looked really real. I wondered if they'd gotten like glass eyes for it or, but no, ping pong yeah. balls. I don't know. They must've put like uh petroleum paint. jelly on them or paint. Or, I don't <laughs> they jellied them up. So... Anyways, so she uh, she runs from the house and uh, from, you know, to an almost certain doom. But then she's saved by a, min- a mysterious stranger named Ben. Ben? He's uh, an African-American gentleman who will feature <gasps> prominently in the film. What? Oh, my God. I know. It's already scandalous. What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so he's he, they, they, they go back to the house and he's, he's looking for food and stuff to, you know, things to help them. And uh, she she alternates between mute terror and demanding that he tell her what's happening because at this point she's essentially useless. Yeah, she's just basically just a muttering, bumbling mess. Yeah, when she goes into the house, the first thing she does is she grabs like a kitchen knife and mm-hmm. is like like running around defending herself with it, like waiting for anything to attack. And then by the time he's in the house, she's just grabbing it by the blade like an asshole like she like she was doing okay you know not great but okay up until anyone more competent than her showed up and then it's time to just it's give up yeah this 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 movie was was uh one of the first to break you know certain taboos such as having a black lead actor but was not ready yet to break the taboo of having women be idiots <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Like, just useless and, you know, like, very misogynistic in that respect. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're three women. Well, I guess four women? I don't know. How, depends on how you define women. Maybe we don't need to get into that. Um, and uh, it's not good. No. It's no, not they're good. not portrayed real well. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that the 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 scene you were talking about with with uh, Zom Kenny and the with the rock, like he picks up a rock to smash the window. That's not normal standard now trope zombie behavior. But I mean, this was him inventing it. I think he got rid of that later. And, the intelligence. Yeah, it, yeah, the the uh, use of tools and uh, and it shows up again later in the film for a specific moment where they uh, bust out the headlights. So it feels like they just don't want to touch cars with their hands because maybe cars are icky. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. At one point you're a zombie go, no, <laughs> I'm like, dude, what did you not get the, pl- the plot here? Like, <laughs> 
also we see a zombie eat like a, a centipede off of a tree yeah. it's like no dude you need human flesh come on now <laughs> she was just riffing yeah. <laughs> I'll play with this toy I'm just gonna eat this bug <laughs> um so so at this point uh outside we see the two zombies smash the headlights and and Barbara freaks out uh Ben goes to destroy the zombies with his trusty tire iron where he slowly figures out well no he doesn't does he he i don't think so yet he gets them in the head and that's what makes them stop but he hasn't put it together that it's just the head that works yeah he he puts it through the skull of this zombie in the house but the guy and the guy's eyes roll after he's supposedly dead which i thought was kind of weird but (laughs) you know okay that's fine and uh but yeah no he doesn't really realize yet i i I guess because they announce it later that on the news that yeah you gotta go for the head yeah and one of the many invent the tropes that are you know first used here fantastically (laughs) there's also the the one that gets into the house that he he gets through the head he then drags the body away and as he's dragging the body away the uh the dead zombie's arms say stay straight at its sides even though he's dragging it from the feet like that the actor (laughs) would They told the actor, they're like, don't let your arms drag up like you were actually dead. Just keep them pinned down. That way they won't get caught on the door. Yeah, won't get caught on the door. They might get a splinter as the floor's old in this house. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Safety first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) He he drags that body outside and sets it on fire. And uh, this angers the other zombies because they don't like light, which, you know, I get that. I get that, y'all. It should be dark inside and outside. Yeah. The, the light is bad. Yeah, they're scared of fire. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> Dicks. Uh, and he, he then tries to get Barbara to help him. He's like, uh, they don't like the light. Go turn on all the lights. Uh, she then does not do this. She just kind of wanders around looking at stuff. Yeah, then, play, plays with a fucking music box. Yeah, a really fucking cool music box. Like, you have to, to be fair. It to her. Yeah, yeah, that thing is neat. It is. I, I probably would have dicked with it as well. <laughs> yes, be like, like, I gotta find ooh. a light. Some, some, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now I've got to take this apart and see how it works. <laughs> I'm sure he'll understand. Yeah. Uh, whenever she fails to turn on even a single light, he's like, all right, all right. I need you to find some wood to help me board up all of the doors and windows. (laughs) She brings him a few, like, little twiggy (laughs) things. It's just a little bit of kindling from the fireplace. Yeah, they're like, it's like the size of a broom handle. She's like, here you go. And then she doesn't even bring it to him. She just sets it on top of the fridge and then, like, leans and starts to drool a little. Half on this Twix. <laughs> and he starts, oh, and, and, and he discovers that whoever lived there before had been hoarding, just, just, just hiding every possible hardwood plank imaginable, just underneath every surface. It's a stack of good hardwood. If he had just looked at the kitchen, he would have discovered the massive hidden cache of planks of wood. <laughs> the stockpile of batten. It's like, it's like, oh wow, it's it, it's kind of like, uh, oh my god, what? Would, 
I've totally lost it. Uh, in basket case, when the, like out in the front of the house where there's all the wood, like the firewood on the patio. <laughs> yes. It's like, what, what are you guys preparing for? <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be a long winter. Yeah. Uh, so, so Ben then uses all of these to board up the entire kitchen um, as as a last resort room for them to run to. And uh, at one point she even tries to help. She like goes and she's going to like hold up the board while he nails it. But then she instantly forgets what she was doing and turns around and just kind of leans against it in the way. (laughs) She's useless. (laughs) Oh my God. I, I love, I love the, um, the set design, which, you know, not really a set design because this was just someone's old farmhouse, but branded. Is it ever? Um, including the uh, the little like bin of mismatched nails. Like whenever he pulled that out, poured it halfway out, and just started sewing through it, I was like, "Well, that's just real. That is, every- I've got one of those." And yeah. <laughs> and you don't like, know where you got any of them. Yeah. Why did I put all of these different nails in here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like single handedly inventing the look of every video game, like every survival horror video game to come. Yes. I'll put this board sideways and then this board will go across. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so bad. And I like that even later Harry's going to be like, look at these boards. This is bullshit. <laughs> Not that you can't stop anything, you fucking idiot. <laughs> this is dumb. What is this one? <laughs> I'm a moron and I know this. <laughs> I also like that while Barbara is like wandering around aimlessly looking for wood, there's a shot of her where her head is um, it's eclipsing the the mounted deer head on the wall. And then you just see the deer's antlers sticking up behind her head. And so it's like a symbolism because she is prey. Mm. I thought that was mwah, magnifique. Yeah, perfection. Good job, Romero. I guess doing a <laughs> magnifique chef's kiss is a little off color for an Italian director, but it's yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then Ben starts a monologue about all of the horrors that he saw on the way to the farmhouse, and this is the first time that we get like a touching glimpse inside his his heart. And um, <laughs> while he's doing this. <laughs> He's he carefully removes all of the glassware off of a table, like wraps it up nicely in this like lace piece of cloth, sets it aside, and then turns over the table and starts to gently unscrew one of the legs of the table to use as uh, the whole thing as wood. And then by the time he's done with his monologue, he's just snapping off pieces of wood, like just oh fuck this! <laughs> it's like what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't care about this table; it's ruined anyway. Fuck this whole house. um his monologue finally gets through to barbara enough for her to you know like build some sympathy with the audience and she starts describing uh all of the movie that we've seen up until this point but in her own weird dumb way (laughs) it's very weird it's like it's placed here for anyone that hadn't made it back from the lobby they've got popcorn and they're like what happened you should have been here oh wait no barbara's about to tell you everything that happened and then, and then, Kenny from SpongeBob broke the window. <laughs> um, so, 
And uh, over the course of her retelling the events, uh, she starts to freak out. And he's like, oh, no, this was a mistake. I should not have gotten her talking. So uh, he tries to calm her down, uh, calm her down to get her to basically shut up. And uh, this does not work. And um, Barbara now decides that she wants to go outside to get Johnny because Johnny's out there. We have to go outside and get Johnny. Johnny, you see, is out there. We have to go get Johnny. And he's like, no. And uh, she slaps him. And then he punches her straight in the face. He knocks her the fuck out. Whoa, dude. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I guess we're going there. Yeah, that was the first hint of yikes. (laughs) The real, real interpersonal human yikes in this movie. Okay. And yeah. Ooh, he, clock, he clocks her the fuck out. Yeah, she is out. She's gone. He lays her out on the couch and then uh, then goes back to boarding up the house. Uh, and then we hear on the radio, he's got the, that that ancient radio. It was like a, was it a Zenith or something? It's a Zenith, yeah. All these little switches and shit that probably don't do anything. <laughs> yes. And uh, so we, like, we hear on the radio about this, that's how bad this epidemic of murder is and you know how the how the victims are are appear to be uh, eaten by these creatures, and you know it, it's you know pretty pretty detailed explanation. And this is kind of starts this middle section of the movie where all a lot of holes are filled in through the radio, and then later the television, and you get a lot of kind of background, which is really kind of clever because the action will come in and out, and you can still kind of hear you know that stuff going on in the background but the, but you, you really kind of get an idea for what's going on which is kind of a goofy idea but it's okay it, but, it worked really well i liked that um they even mentioned that similar reports are coming from H- the houston and galveston areas but it's not yeah. as bad i was like damn right it's not as bad <laughs> that's right we got it under control <laughs> if we concerned. lived there <laughs> Okay, so anyways, Barbara returns to consciousness. Great. And uh, Ben Ben has found, he's showing her the gun and the bullets and the lovely uh, slip-on, like, slippers that he's found for her. Like, yes. that's his gesture of kindness after knocking her the fuck out. We did see that, like, the instant she began to flee a zombie, the first thing to go were the shoes. Yeah, that's right. She yeah. lost her shoes pretty much right away. Yeah. So he gets her a new pair of shoes, which... Uh, yeah, whatever. Great. And uh, yeah, that's his that's his way of showing her that he's sorry for punching her square in the face. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just, just it's just so weird. But anyways, and then uh, he's 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 obviously given up on the idea that she's going to help in any way. So he tries to convince her not to get in the way, essentially. And uh, she hears on the radio that the yeah, this is where we kind of hear about the murderers are eating their victims, and yeah. you know. Right at this time, the the door opens and she's in the room and, you know, she's completely terrified. Like these two guys barge in and scare the bejesus out of Barbara. And uh, it, it it calms down quickly. And, you know, the Ben is like giving him a hard time because they 
they hadn't they had heard all of this. They were essentially down in the basement and heard all of this, but didn't bother intervening in any way or trying to help in any way. John, um, how would you describe these two gentlemen? Oh my God! Well, it's Tom and Harry, and uh, <laughs> Tom is a young, strapping lad. I don't know, with a really bad haircut. I call him Strong Gilligan. Yeah, he's kind of short. He's kind of broad. He's a doofus. I guess he's supposed to represent like young people or something, young adults. And then Harry is your, yeah, yeah. Harry is your like, yes, kind of studly, but also small. And then Harry is your typical like middle-aged dad. You know, he's balding and, you know, he's he's a twat. He thinks he knows everything. And uh, they get into this big, you know, big discussion about, Ben's giving him a hard time. Like, why the fuck didn't you guys come up here? I know you, you must've heard us and he catches them like kind of in a lie and all this shit. So it's just this back and forth, which, you know, kind of goes nowhere, but basically there's two there. We discover that there's going to be two camps here. There's going to be Harry who wants to protect his wife and his injured daughter in the basement. Um, And then there's Ben and Ben plus his, (laughs) lady on the couch who's useless and Tom who's kind of kind of going to side with Ben and then Tom's girlfriend Judy who is also useless um, but pretty she's yeah. pretty yeah and uh, so anyways so they, they, they have this big argument about what would be the better idea should we you know if we if we go in the basement we can we just have the one door we can we can board up that door it's very easy they're not going to be able to get in and then Tom who apparently is a genius points out that um, if we board ourselves into that door, there's no other way out. We have one entrance, one exit. And if that's compromised, we're fucked. Yep. And uh, Ben's whole thing is like, you know, well, if we're up here, you know, maybe we can get out through a different part of the house or worst case scenario, we can go to the, the basement if it really looks like we're out of options. So they, they don't agree on anything, you know, and they essentially agree that they're going to split. But um there's yeah they 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 just go back and forth it's it's completely ridiculous um and then at some point uh zombie hands break through the boards yes. I, I don't know how i mean it was such a masterful job of boarding up but somehow they managed to get their hands through and uh this is where uh ben discovers that that he's shot that he shoots the zombie in the heart doesn't do anything and then he shoots it in the head and the, and that's the end of it for that zombie so yeah he doesn't really say anything, but I'm assuming it probably sticks, you know. And then we see this great shot of the zombies closing in on the house. We see the naked zombie. Uh, that was pretty amusing. And then... Uh, from the butt. We, yeah, yeah, from the butt. Oh, and then they show the boobs, of course. Yeah, Gotta yeah, show the you boobs. You aside the, the, the boob profile, too. It's good. And then we see the, we see the old lady zombie uh, uh, that teaches us a very important lesson about zombies, that they will eat bugs off of trees. They will eat it right off the tree. Just pluck it. Just like, hmm. Farm to table. Delish. Tree to zom. <laughs> so, and I yeah, wonder, do you think, do you think this was a, um, 
like a way of intensifying the scare. Like, because up to this point, it was all dude zombies. There were there yeah. were no lady walking dead. And then here we've got all of a sudden, not just ladies, but the ladies show up naked. Mm-hmm. The ladies show up eating bugs off of trees. Like, it was, was that like a taboo that just got broken over the course of this movie? Like, well, yeah, we could do we can do zombies, but they have to be guys. Yeah, it could be. I mean, because maybe people were uncomfortable with the idea of women, you know, being having this sort of extreme power that that nobody has any control over. You know, I mean, it's that's like the ultimate form of agency. They just move forward and eat you until you put a bullet in their brain. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah, that's a that's a that's not a very common role for women in film in 1968. Nay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's interesting. I mean, he flips a lot of that stuff around. Um, so anyways, yeah. So Harry uh, wants to take everything into the cellar because Harry's a complete fucking idiot and <laughs> doesn't care about anybody. And they, they, there's this back and forth between him and Ben, which is pretty amazing. And, and Ben's obviously had enough of this guy. And he, this is where he whips out one of the great lines in the film where he tells Harry, it's tough enough for the kid that her old man is so stupid. <laughs> Such a great line. He feels sorry for the kid. I'm so sorry your injured child has you as a father. I I internally I refer to Harry as a young Fred Mertz or uh perhaps tall pants McShort tie. <laughs> just to just to give you a visual. Perfect. <laughs> um at this point, uh, uh, Tom and Judy are going to stay upstairs while Harry, Helen, and their daughter lock themselves into the cellar. Uh, Helen is not happy with Harry's decisions, but it's 1968, and he is the husband after all. And there's this whole scene, and it's this is the first time that there's there's no scene with like Barbara or uh, Ben. This is the first like dialogue we get of of with only other people mm-hmm. and it's really different from the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is like up to this point at least has been strangers existing in an apocalypse there's been a we got a little bit with um with johnny and barbara but like this is the first one after the disaster and and it's really interesting um mm-hmm. We're seeing here the toll that the zombie outbreak is taking on established relationships. And I don't know. I thought it was worth remarking upon. And uh, it's really great because Helen is not happy with Harry's bullshit. She's not happy with Harry's bullshit. And you see where Romero is acutely aware of not just not just uh, trumping up the, the standard gender roles, but kind of turning them around a little bit because she's she is obviously has a little bit more agency than we maybe had had given her credit for early on as we see her kind of chastising her husband and you realize who, who really wears the pants and like who's, who's got the brain in the, in that, you know, in that, which makes sense because he's, he's just this big, he's not big, he's little, but this macho douchebag who, you know, essentially has no penis. Yeah. It's the way I read him. (laughs) Uh, She has this great quote, too. uh, We may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything. Like, nice one, Helen. You just, that you turned a phrase. Very nice. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good line. 
Um, and then their conversation uh, quickly dissolves because uh, they find out that upstairs Ben found the most valuable resource that could possibly exist in a zombie apocalypse, a television that works. Um, so, so they go out there to watch TV. There's lots of, lots of nonsense with, uh, oh yeah, play with the rabbit ears. Oh, the volume's off, you know, do this. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see what it's like to live in this house. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I remember those days. Yeah. Of being the remote control. <laughs> yes. Trying to make the television work. Oh man. Uh, putting aluminum foil on the rabbit ears. Oh my God. <laughs> fucking nightmare. Um, so they start watching TV and, and then the little bit of information that we got from the radio is now supplemented with the same thing, but now there's TV news, fake TV news station things going on too. And, and it's just more of that, but now with visuals, so they don't just have to keep zooming in on the faces of these same few people. Um, and they say that uh, people are pretty sure that this whole thing is due because uh, due to the Explorer satellite, which orbited Venus before NASA decided nah and destroyed it because they detected mysterious radiation. Ooh. Yes, high levels of mysterious radiation. Mm, here we go. We got oh, it. Shit. Cold War. It's A- here. Yeah, Aliens aliens or nukes or who knows what which Um, you know if you're george romero you grew up watching movies like the original thing and all you know all that crap i mean that that the whole red scare you know that that's he's definitely calling back to that oh yeah yeah so you've 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 got a, a red scare plus um like War of the Worlds, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's great. It's a great synthesis of it. And instead of it being like a purposeful invasion, it's like oops, disease or whatever. Like fan senseless. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't amazing. end with a bang, but with a whimper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is great. Really good job, George Romero. Fucking brilliant. Um, then there's this weird scene where the three newsmen are following a general. <laughs> A scientist and a professor. And you know that that's what they are because of the way they are dressed. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> they all have horrible hair and, and horrible. It's it's just all horrible. And I like that there's only three newsmen because this is from back in the day when there were only three TV stations. Yeah. It's like, ah, yeah, three, that should be good enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, what about this? <laughs> Uh, and uh, and the scientist and the professor are like, yes, it was definitely because of the Explorer satellite. And the general's like, well, don't be, maybe it's a little bit too early. Okay. <laughs> and so that happens. <laughs> um, and uh, then uh, everyone starts getting nervous because they said that, oh, you know, there's like, you know, weird shit with people that get hurt during all this. And so uh, they are like, why is your little girl what's going on with her and they're like oh yeah it's fine she just got bit by one of those things what could go wrong and ben's like uh uh he, he's like oh who knows what kind of diseases those things have which yeah. you know hmm. <laughs> well i think we know one disease they have <laughs> <laughs> yes. um there's a guy on the tv uh a scientist on the tv that says the dead cannot be mourned just taken into the street and burned. 
Fantastic. <laughs> wow. Superb. Yeah. They've also told them that uh, now instead of... Uh, Instead of sheltering in place, which was the original advice, now what you should do is you should make your way to rescue stations instead of sheltering in place, which every every zombie outbreak movie since. Like, yeah, that's yeah. just everyone. The, the world is quickly filling with, with strange cannibalistic murdering creatures. The best thing to do now is to go out in public <laughs> yeah. and try to make your way to these centers. Yeah, get in a car, get on the highway, <laughs> go the same direction everyone else is going. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yes. <laughs> God, it's like, yeah, it's perfectly, perfectly sensible idea. I, I personally have no idea. I have no issues with this plan whatsoever. No, but wait, <laughs> the plan gets better because Whoa. they are like, oh, well, we obviously need to get to one of those rescue stations. Look, the TV told us which one to go to and where it is. One of us at least knows the area. <laughs> um, how far away is it? Oh, about maybe, give or take, I guess maybe 17 exact miles. <laughs> I would say around exactly 17 miles. Yes. <laughs> Would you like me to convert it into metric? Um, so there's a gas tank at this farmhouse, but it is locked. And they they uh, the truck that Ben stole or or rescued, however you want to look at it, yeah. it doesn't matter, is running out of gas. So that's part of why he even came here to begin with. So they have a plan. Their plan is that uh, they're all going to collaborate or work together. Uh, someone is going to go upstairs and throw Molotov cocktails from the windows, you know, and uh, other people are going to run out into the danger while other people reliably barricade the door, but open it whenever the time is right, which, you know, it's a great plan. Oh, I mean, it's locked tight. I, I what I did at this point is I paused the movie and just, just to ponder the logic of this plan. Yeah. And I, I worked it out from as many different <laughs> angles as I could, and I couldn't find any problems with this plan at all. Did you get out the chalkboard with the X's and O's? <laughs> I did. I completely, I was intersecting the yeah. chalkboard, the 30 foot chalkboard that I'm somehow able to reach without a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> and I put every mathematical formula known to man. And ultimately what I, the conclusion I reached, great plan. Yeah, Omega. Fantastic. We got there. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> so it's a great plan. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to say great plan. It is a great plan. Yeah. Uh, part of this is we get a, a gentle, youthy love scene between Tom and Judy. Um, <laughs> so it, it like is a counterbalance to the uh, Helen and Harry hate each other, where they're all like lovey and like, oh, but I don't want you to get hurt. No, I don't want you to get hurt. No, no, you go out to the car first. No, you go out to the car first. <laughs> Uh, let's kiss for no reason. Yeah. And at this point, I realized that uh, she, my name for her, so he's Strong Gilligan. She yeah. is Foquel Welch. <laughs> Foquel Welch. It's nice. hard to say. Uh, yeah, Loathsome well, things. as most things, yeah. As loathsome things, yes. yes. God help us all. Uh, yeah. Well, as for the plan, um, yeah. the plan does not go well. <laughs> It's, like, it's okay. But everything, so they've got everything worked out. So they're going to, you know, ex execute this plan as closely as possible. So the first thing that happens is Judy Love panics and 
decides that she's uh, she just can't be. She's going to have to go join Tom. She can't be kept in the house away from Tom. Yeah. So she bolts outside at the worst possible fucking moment because he's the, already in the truck. Yeah, the very last minute. <clears throat> the Molotov cocktails have already been thrown. Like, everything's in action. And then her dumb ass runs outside. Tom, I gotta let me in the truck. <laughs> so she... <laughs> She goes she goes along for the outdoor mission with Ben and Tom, which is, you know, catastrophic on her part. So they get to the gas tank or they get to the, the gas pump by the barn. And it's like this comedy of errors. Like it's locked. The key doesn't they have a key, but it doesn't work. And Tom's a fucking idiot. And he's like spilling gasoline everywhere. Oh, that's right. Because Ben Ben shoots the lock off the <laughs> gas pump with a rifle. Yes, after after setting the torch down by the uh, by the truck next to where the gas tank is. What could go wrong? Yeah. And then dipfuck Tom <laughs> like starts pumping gas and what does he do? He spills it everywhere. Mm-hmm. After Ben warns him, "Be careful, you're an idiot because I dropped this torch right by the truck." Yes. And then Tom spills gas everywhere and then the whole fucking thing goes up. Yeah. He doesn't just spill it. On, he, he doesn't just spill it on the ground. He also spills it all over the side of the truck, and then they have to get away. <laughs> it's like he tried to do it. It would have been hard to do worse if he did try. <laughs> but then, if he tried to do it, it wouldn't have gone that way. Because apparently, whatever Tom tries to do is a complete fucking failure. Because Tom is a loser. And the whole time this is happening, Harry is just intensely like constipatedly watching it all happen from inside between the slats thinking wow these slats are stupid i can barely see anything and he's just like watching them and he's like oh but what i can see is real bad <laughs> it's like super face palming yeah. oh, no. oh my god they're idiots <laughs> and he had done such he had honestly done a very good job with those Molotov cocktails. He placed them all perfectly so that they did, did not catch the car on fire. He threw them all around the car. It was a remarkable placement. It, he probably should have been the one to go on the danger mission. If, if you were able to keep records of apocalypses, he would go down in the annals of apocalypse history as, as a fine Molotov cocktail thrower. Yeah. As it as it is, he turns turns out he just went down as a douchebag. Yes. <laughs> so the fucking truck catches on fire. <laughs> and then and, oh good. The truck's in, on fire. Judy's stuck in the truck. Mm-hmm. I can't go out. She can't get out because her sweater. Her sweater stuck at the door. Like Jesus God. What do really. I do? <laughs> so Tom's trying to rescue her and it's just a it's a fucking nightmare. And of course, the truck explodes, and uh, they both die. And then when you see Ben react, he freaks the fuck out. And then you go back to a shot of the truck burning, and Tom, who was standing outside the truck, is now magically gone. Yeah. But the truck's on fire, so that's fine. You know, that's no problem. No <laughs> continuity problems there. And then uh, the <laughs> the zombies have almost made their way inside the house because you know Harry's abandoned his post at the door because he's yeah. like fuck. I mean, again, probably fairly because fuck these guys. Yeah. <laughs> they are not making things better. <laughs> so like, I'm going to the cellar. <laughs> so Ben Ben is back in the house. They they get the door barricaded again. 
and you know they're they're as soon as they get it barricaded, Ben turns and beats the living shit out of Harry. Oh my god, he just it's merciless. He fist molests Harry oh my, over and over again. Just it is not okay. Harry takes it like a champ. He I mean he goes down, but like eventually yeah. he just stands back up and he is fine. <laughs> For a man that has no defenses to multiple punches, he handles yeah. it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben Ben is basically threatens to feed him to the zombies and yeah. and gives him that line, I ought to drag you out there and feed you to those things. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and then we're treated to a shot of the horde taking turns trying to get their helping of barbecue from the Tom and Judy buffet. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, a, a nice little variety of close-up shots of them feasting on a selection of human body parts. Oh, it's so good. It's really <sighs> disgusting. Yeah. Guts uh, and and limbs and and apparently ham with Bosco chocolate syrup all over it. Oh no! <laughs> they, they said they probably didn't need to use makeup because half the extras were really sick from eating all the ham with chocolate syrup. Yeah, it seems like they could have probably just used barbecue sauce and been just as good. Because <laughs> they're all actually eating it. It's really disgusting. Yeah. Or at least some of them are. Uh, one, the, one guy bites into like a big chunk of what looks like liver. It's yeah, disgusting. Oh yeah, he he really committed to that shot. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, uh, man, there's there's like the two of them are fighting over slippery intestines. I think it's it's either a real animal intestines or um the spine the spinal cord of like a cow or something. Like that's what it looks like, and it is real slippery and gross. <laughs> There's a documentary about the about this film that's that is super comprehensive, including interviews with you know a lot of the people that are still around, and uh, they talk about all this stuff. And I forget I forget the situation with the guts and stuff, but it was they were they were pretty impressed with how game a lot of these extras were because they're like you know we weren't paying them anything. I mean it's not like they were making any it's like ten bucks each or something. You know if anything, they they were just locals that wanted to be in a movie, and they're like okay we're gonna have you walk around um, and eat guts. Yeah. <laughs> the people were like, cool, yeah. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll do it. Shit. That sounds That's exciting. Pay. The pay is minimal. I mean, let's go. <laughs> I mean, what could go wrong? Yeah. So. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So, yeah, so we see this. We, we see that. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Dwayne, I keep calling him Ben, but what is it? No, Dwayne is the actor, right? Dwayne is the actor. Dwayne is, okay. So, Ben, yeah, Ben chats Marilyn up about some potential escape routes and uh, you know, like they're, they're kind of, they're just kind of talking back and forth. There's a little bit of like banter between everybody. And uh, then the Coopers, this is Harry and Marilyn. They, they tell Ben that the, that their little, this is where they tell him that, that the little girl was attacked by a zombie or she was bitten on the arm and they come with up with this great new plan that they're going to get Barbara's car. And uh, she tells them, well, you know, that's that's fantastic, but you're not going to be able to start it because Johnny has the keys. <laughs> and uh, wow, my cat is on fire. Yeah, <laughs> is that your fat cat? Yeah, let me uh, let me let him out of the room, and okay. uh, that will make life better. Jesus, we could just cut this part out. On the uh, they they're all awaiting this three a.m. update on the the television news. They're going to come back with an update, 
Oh and, my God. Uh, and she has that horrible reaction to the fact that it's 10 minutes away where she has to go on this whole thing. where like, Oh good. It's only 10 minutes away because all of these reasons we should probably go because we only have 10 minutes. I hated that so much. Barbara is one of the, one of the areas of the film that I kind of have like some problems. <laughs> so it's yes. like, like I understand she's shocked. She's in a state of shock and I can yeah. appreciate that. That's a normal reaction you know, for a person in this situation, she just saw her brother get by some sort of strange old man. And now all this shit, I get it, but everybody else is having a rough time too. And, you know, like at at some point you you think she might snap out of it and be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'll just freak out later. Like now is not the time, but no, no, that doesn't happen. She's completely obsessed with the fact that three o'clock is coming in 10 minutes or whatever. How about that 10 minutes, 10 minutes of broadcast will be on and then we can watch the news in 10 minutes. And this begins the trope of there being three types of people in a zombie apocalypse. You have the competent, the incompetent, and the just horrifically incompetent. (laughs) The one who's so incompetent that they accelerate all the problems. Oh. (laughs) The person who's much more dangerous than the zombies themselves. Yeah. So, and which would, of course, would be her. Yes. But, uh, (laughs) so... The news finally comes on and we we hear that, you know, the radi it's the radiation, and it's obviously the radiation. It's still spreading, it's still out of control. And uh now there's like roving bands of gunmen marauding for zombies, moving through, you know, the countryside, picking them out. And what could go know, wrong? What could go wrong? I mean, that sounds <laughs> failsafe. Yeah. A bunch of bunch of armed citizens. I mean that's how we want our freedom. Yeah. So it's, it's a well formed militia. Yeah, absolutely. So, kill the brain, and you kill the ghoul. Yeah, what a great line. Everyone says that now. Yeah. They interview the police chief on the news, which, okay, and I have a problem with this. This this whole section is shot during the day, mm-hmm. but it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. So that would mean that they captured this footage earlier in the day when nobody really knew what the fuck was going on. But somehow they were able to gather and get hit squads for zombies. I don't know. Is it maybe day for night? Is it like, you know, uh, I mean, it's uh, day, day. Those dudes are very day. (laughs) It's so, so day. (laughs) Oh, day. I was like, okay, this could be canned footage if it was, you know, I mean, it is the news. They are known for playing canned footage, but. Gasp. This is happening in real time, essentially. You know, mm-hmm. there's no editing going on here. So anyways, whatever. That's, you know, not important, I guess. But it is, but it isn't. So <laughs> so they're interviewing this guy and he's like, he's talking about, you know, like the zombies and the whole, or the things or whatever in this whole situation. He has this great line that's always stuck with me where he's like, they're, they're, they're dead. They're, they're all messed up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, in what is otherwise a very poorly acted scene, he yeah. like does this one where you can tell he's just like tired of it, and it is very effective. It's he great. must have ad libbed it. It's fantastic. Yeah, they're dead. They're 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 all messed up. <laughs> uh, just at this moment, the the power goes out, and uh, that gives the signal to the zombies to begin trying to bash their way into the house. We get again zombies using tools. The uh, the torch Ben used earlier to blow people up is now uh, an implement to just lightly bang against the side of the house. 
great. Um, <laughs> amid the chaos, Harry then fights Ben for the gun. Uh, he gets the gun for a little while, but then Ben gets the gun back and kills the shit out of Harry with it. Just shoots him right in the guts. It's great because there's like that moment where he's he's wrestled him for the gun. He gets the gun back, and Harry's in a compromised position. He's on, on the floor, and Ben's a good distance away with the gun. Harry has, is done. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay, he's got the upper hand. And then he just fucking shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know what? I am done with this guy. <laughs> that was great. There was, he didn't really have to do that. It was fantastic. <laughs> yes. And up to this point, we'd seen Harry like struggle with that before. Like the whole thing with uh with uh, Ben coming back from the mission. There you you see Harry like go through this internal turmoil of do I go hide or do I help him batten down the hatches? And then he does help. So he's like struggling between the idea of being a good person and just self-preservation. And uh up until this point, he well, you know. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 very human. He's very very much like real people. Like he's, yeah. you know, he he knows what's probably the right thing to do as far as perception. But at the same time, he's like, but if I do these things, it puts my my family and more at risk. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we're everyone's at so much risk. What does it even fucking matter? Like you could tell he's struggling with that kind of stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. The the first one of these in a zombie movie. Yeah. And and to that effect, after getting shot through the guts, he proceeds to slowly die down the stairs yeah. uh, to go not not to his wife, who is no. currently in the grasp of zombies and maybe getting killed, but instead to go down the stairs and and reach out to try to touch his daughter. One last time he reaches out and then just before he's able to to lovingly brush her hair one last time, collapses to the floor, all dead balls. <laughs> So it's it's very very human until the end. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. Also, good job, Ben. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kudos to Ben for shooting yeah. that dickhead. Uh, I don't think it was going to get better that whole situation. No, I think we got all we needed out of uh, Harry. <laughs> yes. Um, at this point, Helen has been grabbed through the boards by zombies and is is not having a good time, at which point Barbara, of all fucking people, springs into action and saves. One hour and 25 minutes into this fucking movie and Barbara wakes up. Yeah, she's like, oh, I need to go rescue that lady that smoked cigarettes in front of me. Good. Duh. <laughs> Way to go, Barbara. Uh, so she she goes, she rescues Helen. And uh, Helen then abandons Barbara to, to the zombies because she's got to go check on her daughter. She goes down into the basement and finds her daughter all be zombified, eating Harry's arm. It's fantastic. Oh, my God. That's so good. That's not edible at all. Oh, Edible edibles. <laughs> Whoa, you've got an edible complex. <laughs> I'm a moron. <sighs> Tex Rex. <laughs> oh my god. Whoa. <laughs> um, and so she has ripped her, her 
dead father's arm off and is eating it. Yeah. And then uh, her mother falls down out of shock. So the little girl, as a zombie would, grabs a brick trowel, like a masonry tool, and slowly menaces over her mother before then stabbing her repeatedly just over and over again, bloodily into the guts with the trowel as the mom screams in a manner that can now only be described as remix. Oh, it really is scream the remix. All the effects have now been employed. We've completely breached the wall of reality. Yes, it is. It is like the fun house Miro of echo effects. (laughs) And it is delightful. It had to show up in like people's nightmares for the remainder of the 1960s. It, 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 it is incredibly disturbing. It's, it's, uh, and, and the fact that it transcends the boundaries of reality is actually pretty amazing. Yeah. Because, I mean, essentially what we're seeing is an undead child murder her mother. Yeah. And, and that's deep shit. Like, yeah. That's not something you see a lot. Maybe now, but because anything's game now. But, man, 1968, come on. That, that was yeah. fantastic. They had not broached that topic in film. In in tragic plays, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, this is, like, the first great thing, like, all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, wait, no, this is just, like, any any pre-modern story. <laughs> yeah. Any pre-Victorian, <laughs> non-prudish, awesome tragedy was yeah. exactly like this. This is the entire history of literature right here. Yes. <laughs> Just with a trowel. So much chocolate syrup. Yeah, yeah, they just used to sing this to children to get them to go to sleep. <laughs> baby travels, mommy. Baby travels. <laughs> Also, by the way, this is the second occurrence of bo- the word Bosco in our in our podcast. Oh, <laughs> Beyond the door, three had that yeah. idiot on the train. <laughs> Bosco eat cake. <laughs> oh my god, we are so stupid! It's such a smart podcast, you guys. Wow. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that could make us smarter is a British accent. Hello, 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 governor. There it is. Top-notch smartism. <laughs> Look at the brain on that one. Whoa. <laughs> I've got an idea for a song, boys. We all live in a magenta dirigible. Crank up the squeeze box, lads. <laughs> Um, I don't know where I'm... Okay, the zombies start (laughs) getting into the house, including the original Zom Kenny from the Barbara's brother death scene. And and then then we see uh, uh, Barbara's all, like, caught up in their arms, and we see none other than uh, Giallo Glove Johnny himself, now in zombie face makeup, grab Barbara and she's like saying to Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. And he doesn't just eat her. No. He pulls her outside for the gang to also get some of. That is fantastic. What an amazing idea for a shot. She just, he pulls her into this mob of zombies and they they just vanish. Oh my God. That's the rest is up to your imagination. Oh, fantastic. 
Wow. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful stuff. Oh, my God. Um, at this point, Ben retreats into the cellar, which is great because the whole time he'd been like, let's not go in the cellar. And now he's like, well, I guess I'm going into the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and he uh, it's full. He uh, he goes ahead. He kills the little girl. And then he has to kill uh, Helen and Harry one by one. Just the entire Cooper family killed by Ben. He wow. throws the gun away in disgust. Yeah, and it's empty because he used yeah. all the bullets. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's not um, an idiot. No, no, <laughs> this is a zombie movie. You don't just throw away a gun <laughs> if you've got bullets in it. Come on. The next morning, apparently, uh, the zombies have all wandered away, and the well-formed militia makes its way to the farmhouse, clearing zombies as they go. There's a long, long scenes of them just doing, like, um, I want to say, like, musket-era uh, formations of shooting at fields of zombies. <laughs> They're all uh, stuffing the pellets in the <laughs> nozzle of their guns. Yeah, the nozzle. <laughs> Check out my nozzle, gentlemen. <laughs> I can shoot two rounds a minute. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, you know, we're, we're hearing the sounds of birds chirping. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about the sound design in this movie. It's mm. fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't say this earlier, but like the whole time they're in the house, they didn't bother editing out the sounds of all of the floorboards creaking. Yeah. It's so good also shadow like this is all in black and white the use of shadow in this movie is just sublime they're always like moving into and out of shadow it looks great this movie is great on so yeah. many levels uh some some of the camera angles which which i mean was kind of a thing in the 60s to use kind of the wacky camera angles to get for for kind of an effect kind of like the expressionist thing you know where they weird camera angles and weird sets and stuff but he uses it for effect he doesn't it's not the whole movie. So yeah. there's just there's just moments where if he wants to kind of portray a sense of disorientation or, you know, some sort of chaos, which obviously this, this film is very chaotic at times, but he'll use a weird camera angle where maybe something is super prominent. Like you mentioned the animal head that frames, you know, uh, 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 Barbara's head, you know, mm-hmm. so that, you know, it's, it's, you, you can't help but notice that she's prey. I mean, that... Those are the kinds of things that if you're a huge movie fan, you you spot that stuff a mile away and you appreciate it. And if you're not, you see it and you don't even it doesn't even register. But it, on a subconscious level, it affects you anyway. Yeah. I mean, and, I, I, I understand the idea of mise-en-scene, which is mm-hmm. apparently what that's called. But most yeah. of the time, I do not even notice it. It's just <laughs> right. that's going on. That would with the uh, with the antlers. I was just like, oh, yeah, mise-en-scene. I can use that in the podcast now. I took a lot of mise-en-scene. protege. Look at the protege. <laughs> Um, so at this point in the movie, uh, Ben is like obviously brutal, but we still have sympathy for him. We still want him to survive. Um, and he, he hears all this, uh, squad of gunmen approaching and not being super trusting. He like watches out of the window. He's like, Oh wow. A roving band of white guys with guns. Maybe I shouldn't just run out to greet them. <laughs> yeah, I should be cautious because this might be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so so he he 
stealthily peeks out the window and uh, one eagle-eyed gunman with a shotgun catches him through the head at what can only be described as a long distance. <laughs> quite the um, uh, quite the scatter on that shotgun there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, catches him right through the head. He is now dead. They're like, all right, good job. Another one for the uh, fire bonfire or whatever and then uh, the closing credits roll as the movie uh as the music gets really dramatic and it's just a, a like a um like a montage of photographs of people carrying meat hooks above ben's dead body yeah like stacking bodies into this big pile and then you see the meat hooks and you see the old man and ben's next to him and they, they're real grainy shots. They're like snapshots as, as if they were maybe like news shots or something. It reminded me of that, that grainy, real grittiness of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that, that that just adds to it. And so you see all this and the credits are, they're not rolling. It's just like shot, like line, you know, like mm-hmm. so-and-so, so-and-so. So, and then, then they get through all the credits and then they just show the bonfire burning at the end. Yeah. Fantastic. Fucking amazing. It's so good. <laughs> What a lunatic. What the fuck is wrong with you, George Romero? (laughs) I mean, that guy knew exactly what was coming. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He's such a happy man, considering that he had his finger right on the fucking balls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Holy shit. What a great movie. It is phenomenal. I've seen it so many times. It never... Let's me down. I never get tired of it. I I could watch it again right now and be perfectly happy watching it again. Yeah, let's watch it right now. <laughs> it's phenomenal. <laughs> I know we just described it basically shot for shot, but let's go watch that. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like to see this like at a at a, a drive in or a movie theater, but oh. that's just partially because I would like to see anything at a movie theater right now. Oh man. You know, I, I've mentioned their podcast before. I think I have the guys from uh, Forever Midnight that that do they do horror movies as well. It's three guys out in uh, like Santa Clara, California, but they they you know, California being the, the world where movies are made, at least Hollywood movies. California um, being. Sorry. <laughs> they're always talking about like, you know, not so much now during the pandemic, but they, they're always talking about film conventions and horror conventions and all special screenings and all kinds of, you know, like anything that's cool related to horror film is happening in California all the fucking time. Yeah. And so they're like driving to LA to see the premiere of some movie and like, you know, the director will be there or whatever. Oh, bastards. Yeah. The, the, these guys do this stuff all the time. And one of the things that they, that they did recently is they, I think it was like in September, or October, they curated three nights at a movie theater in Santa Rosa, which is there. These are all kind of on the outskirts of San Francisco where these guys live. And each, each of the three hosts from the show got a night where they got to pick one of their favorite horror movies and they showed the movie on the big screen and they, they just had an event and they had like one of the guys works for a brew pub. So they had like beer or whatever. Nice. Like, man, that just sounds fantastic. (laughs) Like I would love to, I would love to be able to get a theater and just have like a special screening of this and have it like an event, you know, like 
beer and stuff and just have it, you know, that'd be great. Such Loathsome good. things presents at the Alamo uh, Draft House. Let's do uh, that one day. Yeah, we could do that. We could do yeah. that. I, yeah, I know a guy that's friends with somebody who works at the Alamo Draft House. So we could actually maybe pull that off. Wow, that sounds like a really legit story you just told. <laughs> I know. I know a guy who knows a guy, and yeah. he's friends with this guy who's like the third cousin, twice removed of this lady who apparently once read an article by a guy who works there. So yeah. I, I think we're in. I think we're in. Oh, this is going to be. I used to know a girl that was a ticket salesperson at Alamo Draft House. So, you know, yeah. we've got this. I saw a movie there once. We're in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw them drop food on the floor once and put it back on the plate. We've got it. <laughs> if there's one thing we've got, it's pull. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just pulling in the pull. Oh, pull. <laughs> Tune in next week for pull some things. <laughs> oh, my God. um i love i love that this movie has like the lovers dying together and then Mm -hmm. the miserable parents care care uh, killed by their daughter and that barbara ends up getting fed to the zombies by her brother and that at the end the most competent member of the whole thing is just killed by other people the first time I saw this, I did not know that that was what was going to happen. And uh, I was a little shocked by that. I was surprised mm-hmm. because he was such a great character. First of all, I was surprised to see, you know, a black guy playing the lead role, essentially. And yeah. um, I mean, I guess you could argue that there were different lead roles. Nobody was really a singular lead in the film, but he was certainly the most competent member of the cast. And uh he was obviously the focal point of the cast. And so for him to, you know, basically hold out through the whole story and his reward as, you know, if you if you're a fan of horror films, and you're familiar with the trope of the final girl who, you know, often is the only person who survives in a group here, here is, is this character Ben playing that role. And, you know, he hides out in the basement. These, these, these gunmen are, are going around, they're clearing up. It actually seems like there might be some hope, and all it takes is this fucking guy to take one peek out the window and it's over for him. Yeah. And that's it. You're done. Yeah. Like everything, all that you just invested, all the emotions you just invested in all these people, everything, it's over. Yeah. And that's every, difficult. Every radical decision, like every every ounce of, of humanity that you put into it, all of that trying to save people, the plan, finally like giving up on those things and just being a survivalist pure and then just boom over that it, it, that that futility which is so much a part of reality <laughs> as, yes. as any adult will let you know uh that's what makes this film so frightening to me is yeah. is that it's there's no reason why this this couldn't be the way this would go down i mean yeah ben's a good guy yeah ben is thoughtful he's you know he's intelligent he's he's he puts you know he actually put some effort into trying to figure out what would be the best thing for everyone involved. And at the end, it doesn't even fucking matter. He's yeah. just, he's just meat like everybody else. It doesn't <sighs> matter. 
He's a black man. Oh, okay. That's great. It's, it's the first, maybe one of the first times where uh, a black man plays a role in a film where it's probably almost certainly the first time in American history where a black man plays a role in a film and being black has absolutely nothing to do with his role. Isn't even super addressed. Doesn't even matter. And then he gets killed at the end and it creates all these questions like, yeah, wait a minute. What, what was his role? What was, you know, the subtext is just, it's the fact that, that Romero was able to pump all that stuff in there. I know some of it was just, it was just kind of like, you know, a side effect of, of the process of making the film and the way things went. And he wasn't the original guy that he, uh, you know, had in mind for the role, but this guy came in and auditioned and you, he liked him so much. He actually rewrote the, the role to fit around Dwayne. What was his name? Dwayne something. Mm. Uh, Dwayne Jones. Dwayne Jones. And Dwayne Jones was some sort of an academic who had never really been in films prior and apparently never saw another Romero film or horror film like related to zombies after this. This was yeah. like, wasn't his thing, you know? Yeah. So, but it's just amazing that, uh, you know, he just tore this wall down with zero effort. There was no fanfare. It wasn't politically loaded, even though the whole film is politically loaded, but it, that his character isn't. No, it's not. It's not relevant. Yeah, I will say, though, like in a movie where there's a, a Explorer satellite that that goes around Venus and there's radiation and, and the dead turn into walking flesh eaters, perhaps the least realistic part of this movie was the yeah. fact that at no point did Harry say anything racist. Yeah, yeah it's remarkable. It's almost yeah. like they don't know that he's black or something because yeah. it's 1968. I mean... Oh. 1960. Someone's got to say something oh, obnoxious yeah. or insensitive or just flat out racist. I mean, it's not relevant. It has nothing to do with it. He's just another human that that stacks the odds a little bit higher in their favor, and that's all he is in that in that scenario. And that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like at the end of the world, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and he's he's played off a little bit as a hero, but ultimately at the end, it doesn't even fucking matter that he's a hero. No, and in the and end, that's none the, of them are heroes, except maybe Barbara? Maybe? <laughs> that's the ultimate movie message, is that, you know, just existing and doing the right thing isn't fucking heroic. It's just what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're trying to preserve your, your species and move forward. You're not, you know, you don't have to be a goddamn hero to do those things. You just do them. It's black, white, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's 1968. Jesus yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> George A. Romero, just doing it. <laughs> just doing it. I, I had seen some post that somebody had put on Instagram and it was a uh, like a like a compilation of like different horror directors, Carpenter, him, Craven, and uh, another, you know, heavyweight. I can't remember who it was, James Wan or someone like that. And they were like, who would you go with? You know, and I'm, I'm like just on like, a date. Just like, who would you pick as like your favorite? Essentially? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And why I, I would have to go with Carpenter because I, I fucking love John Carpenter. But he's pretty good. But he's, he, you know, but as far as like, I don't know, there's something about George Romero that's so like, so special. It's like yes. so, so American. It's, 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 man, what, what a great movie. 
And I love, I love, I found out because of this, I was looking up different stuff. Like uh, I was looking up Fulci's zombie two and I was like, okay, so if that's zombie two, what was zombie? And so I like, there, there wasn't like clear cut links to it, like through Mm -hmm. Wikipedia. So I had to do digging and actually like read shit. And it's a zombie. The one was Dario Argento's cut and adaptation of Dawn of the Dead for italy oh that's right oh my god i remember reading about this yeah 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 he he recut dawn of the dead for an italian audience redid the soundtrack with the band goblin and had them do it and that's what zombie is i've never seen that i don't think it's readily available i don't think so but i really want to see dario argento's zombie (laughs) i do too wow that's fascinating yeah i want that please (laughs) because fulci zombie is fun but i mean it's a piece of shit it's a lot of fun but it is so much fun (laughs) it's great it's great but terrible yeah oh it's fine i'll just get naked in front of you to go diving and uh, i will see a shark fight a zombie it's great (laughs) it's fucking Oh, I love Lucho Fulci. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I'm sure we'll cover him at some point. But yeah, what a movie, man. Yeah. Whew. We'll have to watch both of those. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> oh, see, that's what we should do at Alamo Drafthouse. We should do a triple feature oh. of Dawn of the Dead and then and then Argento's Dawn of the Dead slash Zombie 1 and then Fulci's Zombie 2. Oh, my God. Okay, so the guy... I, I can't remember exactly who the person was. I think it was the person that co-wrote the script with him when they, when they, cause they kind of co-created this idea of night of the living dead. And the other guy went on to make return of the living dead mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they, they broke off from each other because this guy wanted to focus on the humor. Obviously if you've, seen, if you've seen return of the living dead and Romero was more into the kind of the social aspects of it. And, um, the first Return of the Living Dead is fucking great. I, I had remembered seeing it, and as I got more and more into horror, I saw a lot of people talk about how much of a classic it was, and I was like, it's not a fucking classic. Night of the Living Dead's a classic. And then I went and rewatched it, and I'm like, that movie's a fucking classic. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's no Night of the Living Dead, but it's a great movie, and it's it's uh, it started a pretty fun franchise. Are you talking um, about Dan O'Bannon? Was it Dan O'Bannon? Is the director for Return of the Living Dead. Was he? Oh, my God. That's Dan O'Bannon is the guy that did the special effects for Alien and who would have done the the was going to do the effects for Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh, fuck. Yes. Dan O'Bannon's a heavyweight. I I know who you're talking about. Maybe are you I've heard all of this and now we just sound like idiots. Yeah, I I don't remember the details. Um, Yeah. And, and that's okay because, um, yeah, it's nobody's listening and we're not authoritarian. It's true. Yeah, you're not here for the history. You're here for our brilliant opinions. <laughs> I almost did a scotch spit steak. Uh, let's see. Maybe if I look at Night of the Living Dead, it will tell me the information. Great radio. This is this is oh, good stuff. This is good stuff. Don't don't continue what you're doing, folks. Oh, it's it's uh, John Russo. Oh, John Russo. Okay, and he's the guy that went on to do the the uh, yes. the Return of the Living Dead stuff, right? Or he was the writer. Okay, that's what yeah, it was. He was the writer on Night of the Living Dead and 
the writer on Return of the Living Dead. He, he, and, yeah, his take on it was that it should be funny. Yeah. And it was. It was great. And Return Linnea is great. Quigley and uh, she's fantastic. And then three was pretty great too. Three is the, great too. All of the glass and, and body <laughs> yeah. modification stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I don't know. Well, I mean, what else do you want to, what else do you want to say about this movie? I could go on and on about it. Uh, let's see. Um, I love the fact that uh, even with like the, the dead rising from the grave to consume the living and, and their horrific disasters of a pop, Apocalyptic proportions it shows that you still like the thing is you still can't trust your fellow human being or is it perhaps especially then you can't trust your fellow human being uh, no it's just you can't yeah it's uh it's it's interesting like it's 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 not the first time that you know this idea that the dead i mean that's obviously something that that is part of our consciousness or our subconsciousness or whatever this idea that our fear of death and this idea that the dead could come back is not that much of a reach from our fear of death that that would be even worse so you know this idea that they come back and then not only do they come back but for whatever reason they eat us yeah which is which is pretty horrendous um is even though there were other movies that you know talked about zombies but in that respect, it would be zombies, which were defined as people that that died, but then came back to life. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily cannibalistic, according to what I read. Uh, the the that this was really the first time where they were, you know, uh, portrayed as being cannibalistic. Yep. Um, it's it's something that I've thought about a lot over the years because I never understood why, but it at the same time it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about like the, the black plague where like even the dead are a danger to the living and there has been so many fears of the dead rising, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's great. It's obviously an ingrained fear in, in humans because like there's all, we have all kinds of weird shit around death. Like for a while it was very popular for when a King died to go ahead and just kill everyone around him and bury them with the king so that they will serve him in the afterlife right we have some weird stuff about death (laughs) yeah the afterlife which was something that nobody could quantify was very much a reality in those cultures and yeah it's crazy when you think about that i mean it's it's something that supposedly carries through now but it's more it's more of a like a token thing now i don't think anybody really honestly believes it i think they just say they do Ooh, i don't know yeah i don't know I th- i'm sure they do of course I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they do but it's it's just different you know yeah. you don't you don't bury somebody with uh their whole group of of people that work for them or whatever so they can serve yeah. them in the afterlife anymore yeah Otherwise, like, what would happen if when Jeff Bezos dies? Like, oh, oh well, we oh. gotta kill every Amazon warehouse worker. How do you how do you delineate that? Is it yeah? Is it all the workers? Is it every fucking driver? Every douchebag? That's you know, yeah. That's it's a tough call. Right, so many job openings. Oh, <laughs> be great for the economy. It would be good for the economy. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um and i also wanted to say that i think it's really cool there are these things in here that are like zombie lore that got left behind like uh the fact that 
in, in this, it's anyone that died during the event that came back as a zombie and, and then zombie lore turned away from that and went to like, oh, if you're bit by a zombie, then you become a zombie. Right. And if you die of normal things, then you don't become a zombie. And I love that the walking dead brought it back. They brought that back and they brought back not calling them zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there are a lot of things that are wrong with the walking dead, but I yeah. really love that they, it's obvious that, you know, uh, the guy that, that wrote the graphic novels went back. He, he obviously loved this movie and he went back and he was like, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna play with this and, and get back to like these zombie roots and uh, just fantastic. Great stuff it's, for, to bring back. It's, it's, it's curious to me. Like I, I wonder, I mean, it's such an American film and it, it's, it's touching on all these things that are so much a part of being an American, like our, our views of death, our fear of death, our, you know, our fear of the dead, you know, yeah. we are literally scared of death, um, you know, which is ridiculous when you think about it, but we just are, it's the yeah. way our culture works, but there are, there are, you know, plenty of cultures in the world, large ones, like say the Hindus who are not, you know, intrinsically afraid of it. I think maybe they are, maybe it's a human thing that we're in touch with that the Hindus have, have some reason to say they aren't. But I, I suspect that that's something we all fear because we don't really know the answer to it. So it's frightening to us. I mean, it's there's the body of this person that we meant so much to us, but everything that meant so much to us is pretty much gone. And all that's left is this physical object. Yeah. That's difficult to understand. <laughs> it's really hard to understand. Yeah. And it's... so, yeah, the idea that that, that, that would that body would reanimate and come back and not even have the slightest clue who I am. Yeah. And not only that wants to eat me, <laughs> wants to eat you like, Oh, you look good to eat. It's like great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's not just, uh, the, the, the shroud of death that we're afraid of in this movie, but it's also like what's dying is the person. And then it is being then um, um, it, it's not that the person dies. It's that the person aspect dies. The, right. It's not that the human dies. It's that the person dies and then beca- is reduced to basic consuming carnivorous instincts. And it's fantastic. It, it's especially like, you know, lots of stuff like this existed before, but then this is huge scale because part of it is like, this is the sixties and we're getting the population boom is starting to become something we're afraid of. We we've got the red scare. We've got, uh, we've got like the fact that nuclear bombs happened and, and we've also got, uh, the, the first part of like, um, uh, global warming and the fear that eventually the uh, human population will grow beyond our capacity to feed it and all of this stuff. It, it's a fantastic um, reflection of all of these different sources of fear. And it just nails it. <laughs> it, it really sticks the landing on so many things. I, I yeah. love this movie. Yeah, and then he goes on to make essentially two two more films that tackle different aspects of, of a similar idea, and and both of them are brilliant in their own right. I mean, yeah. they, you know, with Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and uh, I mean, that's it's it's 
really difficult to like take away from those films as well. And the funny thing is, is those, those films are very much their own films. Mm -hmm. So it's like three, three very specific statements that are part of a body of work that each work on their own, but also work together, even though they're not necessarily sequels of one another, um, which is cool, but it, it's just kind of an idea that this is the, I mean, it's just, it's, it just kind of makes you think that this is this idea that this guy had thought about for a really long fucking time. Yeah. Like this is a really important concept to this guy. And for, for three, I, I mean, it's, you can't really argue that at least for three films, this guy was on it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe not some of the later ones, maybe not. Yeah. What is it? Survival of the dead. Diary of the dead. Yeah. Maybe they're maybe okay not there, but, uh, but uh, at the, at the onset, just gold, gold. I mean, yeah. Day of the Dead is is right up there. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite films, and you know, there he's he's really digging into the social satire. They're stuck in a. I mean, they're stuck in a fucking mall for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, like that 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 alone tells you, you know. And then, I mean, and yes, you can fuck up. Like socially speaking, you can fuck up a horror film set in a mall, like say, Chopping Mall. <laughs> Just saying. Even yeah. though I love that movie, I love to cover it. Yes. That's the one with the robots that kill the yes. teenagers, right? Yes. Yes. Great. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but not not quite as poignant as socially speaking. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not with as much of a good thesis. And one of the beauties of the, uh, one of the beautiful things about this movie is that the apocalyptic narratives are nothing new in, in American culture. Certainly not now. Um, we've seen all kinds of TV shows and books and movies that have, have, you know, plundered that idea. But um, man, the way that, that the way that he does it is just it, it as campy as it can be at times, it's, it's like, it really hits home in certain ways. You know, that here's this group of survivors that are holed up in a fucking mall (laughs) (laughs) fighting off this army of zombies to to what effect just to survive. It really doesn't serve any purpose. They just want to survive. Yeah, they're not going to make the world any better or do anything. You know, if they don't survive, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, everything's already fucked up anyway. That's fantastic. It's great. It's (laughs) I love George Romero. Please don't make any more zombie movies, though, George. Yeah, please don't. Wait, I know you're he, dead. Is he but dead? Oh, she's, she's dead. dead. <laughs> well, oh, zombie George Romero. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Yeah. George of the Living Romero. <laughs> well, Josh, um, thinking back on this movie, um, if you had to, you know, if under duress, you had to compile a rating based on a one to five with with essentially with essentially any fraction of one between two and two between i think you i think you know where i'm going with this some kind of increments incremental rating system yeah with or without yeah yeah within the numbers one and five including any variation therein Ah. 
uh, a, a, perhaps some number of loathsome things. A number of loathsome things that you might attribute to this film. I did not give it a five out of five loathsome mm-hmm. things. I mm-hmm. I knocked it down one peg for some occasionally really, really bad acting that's in here. Like, especially from Strong Gilligan, who just could not deliver a line like there and and part of it is the the editing because there are scenes where he's just like standing there stiffly and then he delivers the line and then he's still just standing there and that's the shot Ooh, so so part of it is the occasional bad acting and the rough editing which even at times is charming like like i love it i right. I, I wouldn't ask him to change it because it right. is part of the charm and it's part of the movie that i love so much sure but it is not, it is not perfect. And, right. and so for that, and also because I wanted to leave room at the top, I wanted to leave room at the top for another zombie movie to be able to be considered better than it. And I wanted to leave room at the top for another uh, zombie movie to be considered better than it without all, and also without being perfect. So right. For those reasons, I gave it a 4.8 out of 5. So another zombie movie could be a 4.9, not perfect, and still be better than it. So it's a 4.8 out of 5 uh-huh. loathsome things from a Josh. Ah, that makes me curious, of course, to find out what movies you would consider better but not perfect, and then maybe better but perfect. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm I'm leaving that room. You're leaving it open. Okay, I'm leaving okay. it open. Leaving that door open for for the world to come in. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I said that. <laughs> what about you, John? If you had to rate this on a scale of zero through five, loads some things. How how would you? This movie um, obviously is is like you know, kind of important to me because it was, as I had mentioned earlier in the episode, it was the first horror film where I really actually put some effort into realizing that horror was something that I liked and I wanted to dedicate time to, as opposed to just stumbling across a horror film and saying, Oh, this is cool. I like this. Um, it didn't scare me as much as maybe say when I was really young and I saw Salem's lot, the Toby Hooper series, which, which ruined my life at the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Night of the Living Dead did not do that for me. But at the same time, I was maybe 18 when I saw it, uh, Night of the Living Dead. And, you know, I was in a place in my life where uh, that kind of, I was already cheated enough to where it was like, yeah, whatever, fucking don't care, you know. And uh, having said all that, though, um, I'm ancient and I've seen this movie, I don't know how many times, maybe 10 times, I don't know. And uh, maybe more, probably more. Uh, it, it, it has its moments where, you know, it's a little clunky. It's, um, you know, I have my issues with it. I have my issues with every movie I see, but I think, you know, I, I do have some legitimate issues with this film. Having said all that, I still give it a five. Five out of five. I, can I give it a five. That. Yeah. I give it a five out of five just because of the place that it holds for me personally as, and that's, that's kind of the idea of our ratings. I think no. as you, as you listen to this show, you'll, you recognize that. We, we give our ratings based entirely on, well, not entirely. We have a number of different criteria. How it hits us, we consider its role in you know cinema history if it matters. Um, if it doesn't matter, then we might rely more on how it impacts us. Moron? Um, what? 
more on what oh <laughs> shit um some of the movies we review most people probably don't know much about especially if they're not into horror films but we might rate it relatively high because you know it it created something or filled a specific hole in film that that needed to be filled so whatever but this one's a five for me for sure excellent yeah that that totally scans and i i probably should have made it a five but i was like no i want to i want to leave that little air in there no i think that and i think that's interesting i think it's it's interesting because it leaves it leaves room for what ultimately is is god knows how many movies to try and to try and reach that 10 for you yeah i want it i want it give it to me the perfect zombie movie and there's some that are pretty damn close, probably, I'm guessing. There there are some really good ones out there. Zombie movies, like this wasn't the movie that got me to realize that I loved horror movies, but mm. zombie movies were one of my my gateway drugs to the genre. Like, yeah. like I loved sci-fi, I loved B-movies, and I loved zombie movies. And from that, eventually I realized, wait a minute, do I love horror movies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so then coming across this one, it's like, oh, it's pretty good. I wanted to, just real random super random and maybe i already said this in an episode but you you mentioned toby hooper mm-hmm. and and we've talked about him before and i was like man i just didn't remember that that guy was a director too that's crazy that he was also a director and the reason that i thought that is because when i hear the name toby hooper the face that pops up in my head is dennis hopper <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, who was a director yeah, I was like, really? Dennis Hopper directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That is ridiculous. What a great man. <laughs> he directed himself in, yeah. in Texas Chainsaw Part 2? <laughs> so, yeah, I just needed to confess that. Toby Hooper is fantastic. He made uh, Poltergeist. Oh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Arguably, you know, Spielberg had a lot of influence on that, but... Uh, he made uh, he made a bunch of stuff, but but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is nah. <laughs> it's untouchable. Yeah, we'll have to touch it at some point. We will touch and we'll put our our fingers all over it. Yeah, I mean we're definitely not from that state, so it's not an important one for us. To- no, we don't live in Texas in no. any way whatsoever. Not deep in the heart of that state. I've never actually been to Texas. I wonder what it's like there. It sounds like a horrible place. It sounds terrible. Do people ride horses there? Yeah, I believe uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is actually the biographical film about Greg Abbott's childhood. Oh, okay. Yeah. That totally pans out. Yes, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's also, from what I read, it was the first time ever in history that a film uh, used a motor vehicle in a in a in a motion picture about Texas in some way. Yeah. yeah. And that motor vehicle was a chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a vehicle that delivered death. Yes. <laughs> so, so that is a 9.8 out of 10. It's com- pretty good. Combladibly from us of loathsome things. Um, John, I wanted to ask you a little, little fun question. Okay. For, for for us to answer and then for 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 our audience to also answer squee. Um John, if you could pick one director who hath not <laughs> to this point directed a zombie movie and you could get them to direct a zombie movie, who might that director be? I had uh 
I've given this some thought. I, uh, I, we, we spoke about him a little bit earlier. I think uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky would make an interesting oh, zombie film. Fuck yes. And uh, I, I just can't even imagine where he would go with it because that guy is, he's, he's one of a kind for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the other person that I thought of was uh, Werner Herzog. Oh, yeah. Not not now Werner Herzog, because he would probably put Nicolas Cage in it and it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. And fuck that, that. But even though I like Nicolas Cage, but Herzog doesn't seem to understand how to use him properly. Um, <laughs> but Herzog from the 70s? Oh, come on. That would be perfect. Um, I don't know. What do you think, sir? Well, I was thinking... Um, I was originally thinking... Uh, because Houston's a neat place that I've never been to, that uh, getting Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson would be interesting. Speaking of Texas, a state that neither of us have ever been in. Much less Houston. Houston is clearly a place I will never go. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I was thinking, yeah, Wes Anderson would do a cool one. But then I remembered that Jim Jarmusch made The Dead Don't Die. And I would think that a Wes Anderson zombie movie would be pretty that adjacent. It um, would. And, it would be twee. It would be so twee. <laughs> <laughs> so twee as to maybe be tweed. And then you would have to get those little arm pads like a professor. It wouldn't uh, be good. Yeah. Um, so I would really like to see um, Rose Glass make a zombie movie. Rose Glass, who directed Saint Maud, um, just because oh. I could I could imagine the final one half of a second of that film being extra spectacular. <laughs> what What is it about? What 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 is it what, about? What what, <laughs> what What is missing in the zombie genre that you would like to see? If If somebody anybody made a zombie film that really hit the you know the notes that you were looking for what would they be putting in their movie that hasn't been covered already um and obviously that's taking into account that so many things have been covered already but what 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 would be brought what new thing would be brought to it that would make it better uh, the ejaculation yeah 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 it's really jizz Jizz. Arcing arcing ropes. Arcing ropes of jism. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm with you. Yeah. Who's that director, uh, director and photographer famous for his jizz work? Nacho Kukaluki? No, the the guy that uh, directed the uh, Wrecking Ball music video. (laughs) Oh, Terry Pratchett. Noted sci-fi author and really disgusting molesting photographer. Yeah, yeah. Terry something. He he's a horrible human being. Yeah, he should direct a zombie movie with just it's just the only way you get infected with zombieism is jizz. <laughs> jizz zombies. Whoa, that's probably already a movie. <laughs> I mean, Zombievers is already a movie. It's already a thing. (laughs) That we won't be covering. (laughs) What about you, John? What do you feel is an element of zombie cinema that you're missing out on? It's just like there's a little je ne sais zombie that is missing. Zombie, it's funny because zombies are not something that I find particularly interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, there's too many logical disconnects for me, like, 
okay, so the, the the dead comes back, but they're also incredibly stupid. So yeah. okay, so whatever. Um, what is it missing? I don't know. There's you know a lot of the things that I might list as being missing have been covered, like twenty eight days later, <gasps> or you know, or twenty eight weeks later. I mean that that. Or, or what's the one? Oh God, there's this British TV series that covers a zombie outbreak that is uh, is fucking first rate. And uh, oh, it's like Black, <sighs> Black Summer or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I forget what it's called. But anyways, yeah. Like I'm trying to think of like what would I like if I was going to make a zombie movie? What would I put in it? There's a there's a novel by a science fiction author or a speculative fiction author named Lucius Shepard. And the book is the book is called Green Eyes, and Ooh. Green Eyes is about a woman who is a, she's a scientist and she's part of this program where they've essentially brought this guy back from the dead, and they've used like voodoo symbolism, like um, like voodoo iconography and all this stuff, and she ultimately ends up falling in love with this guy, and uh, it's a great book. And it was the it was the inspiration for the Sonic Youth book uh, song Green Eyes, and <laughs> I would love to see that be in a movie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's a good thing I kept that together. Yeah. <laughs> Green that Eyes. Cool. Green Eyes. Green Eyes by Lucius Shepard. It's a fantastic book. It, looks it was. Really uh, cool. It won the uh, the Ace. It was. It was part of like sci-fi books back in the eighties and nineties. I guess it was. They there they were the Ace imprint, and then there was the Ace so and so awards. Every year they would give the book. You know, the give a certain book from that imprint an award as the best book. And Green Eyes won that award for whatever year it came out. And it's a fucking great book. That's fantastic. That sounds it's, great. I might have to give it a read a it would be a great, it would be a great uh, zombie movie. And it covers some interesting, it's like, it actually has romance without being, you know, maudlin or, or like cheesy or, um, it's just its own little world that he creates and it works. I, I would like to see that. I don't know who the director would be that would be good at doing that, but it would be maybe somebody like, this is going to sound weird because he's made some shit recently, but, uh, uh, oh God. What's the guy that made the Halloween, the latest Halloween movie? David Gordon Green. Oh, okay, yeah. If you see the early David Gordon Green films when he was still making the independent films, like the character-based dramas and stuff like that, uh, some of those movies are fantastic. And if you had told yourself <laughs> as you watch those films that one day he's he was going to be making, uh, what was that <laughs> that movie with uh, James Russo? And uh, no, is it James Russo? No. What the fuck is that douche stuff? <laughs> What's that dick's name? <laughs> they got Rene Russo. Rene Russo, that's it. Yes. No, the uh the actor that got involved like got in trouble for like sexually mistreating oh, God. women and he was friends with that guy from Georgia who's in all the oh, He co-wrote the Halloween movies. It's not important. It's good. <laughs> David Gordon Green would, would be an interesting take. Well, you will be happy to know that uh, once he is finished with uh, 2022's Halloween Ends, he's going to be directing The Exorcist. 
a remake? Uh, I would imagine so. It's just called The Exorcist. It's in pre-production. It is slated for 2023. And then it has been announced that he will be directing the <sighs> Hellraiser TV series. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know yeah. what Hellraiser And that's after the remake of the first film, which is yeah. supposed to come out pretty soon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's not that's trouble. Uh, I like David Gordon Green. He he before he I don't know why Hollywood hit with that guy, because he made a couple of independent films that were very, very independent filmy, you know, <laughs> like very character driven and not, you know, none of the Hollywood production values. And um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he made that that fucking movie that I cannot remember. Pineapple with, Express. Uh, you know, he made Pineapple, Pineapple Express and then he made that. Which was good. I mean, I enjoyed it was Pineapple a Express. Great movie, but it's a totally different kind of movie. Oh yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I I think he might be able to handle a zombie movie. That would be I, interesting if he did an original idea. No, no, he would do the remake of Night of the Living Dead. If I was the producer, which I'm not, because nobody gives me money to do things, because mm-hmm. you know that would be a bad idea. It would be. Bad. But if they did, <laughs> I would approach David Gordon Green and say. Look, I love the aesthetic of your independent films. I like the character-driven uh, dramas. You should take that concept and apply it somehow, incorporate it into zombie movie, so that it's it's heavy on the like actual people involved, and the zombie part is it's part of the story, but it's not the part of the story. You didn't come to see the zombies; you came to actually see the people interrelate with each other, and how does that impact their their lives and stuff like that. That would be interesting because he's good at that kind of stuff. I could see that. But, you know, I I also thought that Blink-182 was going to be terrible the first time. Well, they were terrible, but the first time I saw them on NTV, they were on some, like, spring break thing. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing, (laughs) Blink-182. And I saw it, I was like, yeah, these guys are going nowhere. And uh, I was wrong. A little bit wrong on that one. I was wrong. So, you know, I, I am not probably a good Hollywood producer. That's okay. That's I know okay. it's hard to believe because I'm just some douchebag who <laughs> drinks lives, out of no label scotch bottles. Who lives who lives anywhere but Texas <laughs> and drinks scotch, no label scotch. Out of the side out the side of the bar. Just a blank green bottle of scotch. <laughs> it really helps that there's not very much scotch in the bottle, too. <laughs> I'm so glad that we got a camera. Sorry, listeners. We're not even recording the visual. <laughs> Are we not recording the visual? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> That's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did it ever occur to you that we have we have listeners? Like, people yeah. do listen. But they we, we have... We have two fans. Yeah. 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 And they're both people I know. <laughs> yes. You have two fans, John. Let's be real. <laughs> oh, man. John's great. And Josh is there, too, I guess. All right. Well. <laughs> Yeah, well, one day, maybe you'll get up to the level of two fans. Two fans. They call me Josh Two Fans. (sighs) 
It's okay. It's really for us. We are our own fans. Well, uh, clearly, we're having a good time. Yes. <laughs> give us money, folks. Please give us money, uh, and we will be more than happy to talk about your movie. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Or your streaming service, or um, uh, I guess your... your uh, uh, man hair trimming products and and penis pills penis pills hair dye man hair trimming products yeah mattress mattresses yeah exactly food delivery service oh yeah or or those yeah those meal plan packages where yeah you'll have to cook it yourself yeah sun penis the meal package plan (laughs) would you like sun-dried tomatoes and penis Or artichoke hearts and penis, maybe? Hearts of palm and braised penis? Pay us money to advertise your not-quite-marijuana products. (laughs) But all kidding aside, have you had the hearts of palm and braised penis from Sunbasket? Braised penis. (laughs) I believe there's a little smoked paprika. That's what puts it over the top. (laughs) Penis tartar. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> um, do do suggest us a movie. Uh, also, please also tell us who you would like to direct a zombie movie that has yes. not already directed a zombie movie. Uh, hit us up on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Loathsome Pod or on Facebook at Loathsome Things. You can also email us at an email address that I forget. Uh, <laughs> so just try, just try a variety of email addresses that you think we might be able to be reached at. Eventually you'll get there. If not, you'll get a, a visitation from the spookiest of all email addresses, Mailer Demon. Also, uh, watch the uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan has a stand up where he comes up with a great idea for a horror movie, which is what if a hitchhiker who is a secret killer gets picked up by a person that picks up hitchhikers to kill them and they have to deal with one another. It's a great idea for a horror movie. They're forced to have to interact. Yeah. Or they (laughs) fall in love was his idea. And it's a musical. I love Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, that was great stuff. I was like, oh, I would watch that movie. Maybe not the musical. (laughs) The musical, fuck the musical. No, no, those songs are going to be bad. I hate musicals. Uh, John, is there anything you want to tell the nice people before we uh, uh, don't anymore? (laughs) Please get in contact. Uh, We we love to get feedback from you guys. Good, bad, doesn't really matter. Uh, Please make recommendations. Uh, We have... I mean, there's been a vast number of recommendations that we've received, and we've covered all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, one of them might be coming up in the near future. I'm just saying. Probably should push that one out. Just saying. <laughs> but please recommend films. We would be we would we love being able to interact with you guys, and that's uh, yeah. Josh, anything you, you want to add? Yeah, we love you. Yeah, we love you. And go out there and watch zombie movies. Oh, yeah. So watch zombie movies and tell us why you like them or don't. Yeah. Watch zombie movies and then tell us why you don't like watching zombie movies. (laughs) I just watched all the zombie movies and I don't like them. I didn't like it. (laughs) I I got about a third of the way in and realized I don't like zombie movies. And then I watched the other two thirds. (laughs) And I still don't like them. Turns out. (laughs) 
turns out, fuck zombie movies. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great time and come back here in two weeks where we talk about a different movie. Might be a zombie movie. Probably not. Almost certainly not. <laughs> Cheers. Bye.